This is Dreamwalker 1960. As a reminder, you can read the transcripts of all my podcasts at dreamwalker1960.com. You can use most podcast platforms if you wish to listen. All you need to do is do a search for Dreamwalker 1960. In chapter 4 of Colossians, in verses 13 through 16, the city of Laodicea is mentioned four times. Why was this city impressed upon the mind of Paul so much? Now I must say, I do not agree with those that challenge the authorship of this letter. I truly believe it was Paul who wrote this letter. Mayhaps not by his own hand, but his dictation since he was imprisoned at that time. Also, since there was no mention of the earthquake which devastated Colossia and Laodicea. It places this letter to have been written in the late 50s AD. This means that 30 to 33 years before the city was mentioned as the last city of the seven cities in Revelation, it was already entering into sin and it was a burden upon the heart of Paul to try and get them to turn from their ways, ways which were leading them to damnation to being vomited out of the body of Christ. 33 years. Studies have shown that one generation lasts 33 years. So nearly one generation before the glorified Christ stated he would vomit them from his body, Paul was given the need to teach them the truth from various angles. Colossians 4.12 Epaverus, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Epaverus appears to have been given a specific burden upon his heart for the city. Colossians 4.13 For I bear witness that he has a great zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea, and those in Heropolis. Luke and Demenus were sent to the city to speak from the house of Nymphas, which served as the church for Laodicea. In the 16th verse, Luke and Demenas are instructed to not only to teach the true gospel in the church, but also in the streets of the city as well. It is a warning cry to those within the city to repent, a warning cry to abandon their riches, to abandon their comforts, a warning that I believe was not listened to by those within this city. For in 60 AD, the city was devastated by an earthquake. Yet they didn't listen, for they were so rich that they rebuilt their city and returned to their ways of living in lavishness and luxuries, counter to the teachings of Christ himself. 
which is how they earned their place in enmity for all that follow the true teachings of Christ. Enmity because they defied God. They were warned by three witnesses to end their ways. They, in essence, had become Sodom and Gomorrah, which is why they are seen as worse than those that outright deny God, an entire generation corrupted. Now those that are lukewarm infect most of those that profess to being quote-unquote Christian. How many of the few are bearing witness? Maybe this is why these words are spoken. Matthew 24, 32-35 Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. What are we to look for within one generation which will bring the return of Jesus Christ? Matthew 24, 3-31 Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the signs of your coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever reads, let them understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the household top not go back down to get anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, 
nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son and Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the signs of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels in a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now what people don't understand, what people don't conceive of, is that when Christ returns is at the end of this generation, at the end of the 33 years, at the end of the tribulation, which is to last seven years. This means that in the 26th year of the generation that will be witness to the events listed in these verses, that is when it will all begin. And how will we know it is to begin? Christ gives us what to look for there as well. Matthew 24, 36-51 But of the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Surely I say to you that he will make him a ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, 
the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here is something else, especially those who are walking in the path of the lukewarm don't wish to see or acknowledge. We that profess to being his disciples, his children, his body. We are stewards of his household. Any earthly wealth we are given is not for us to use for ourselves, for our wants and desires. They are given to us to help spread the truth, the way, and the light. We are to live with the least of this wealth to be able to use the most of this wealth for his glory. This is the opposite of how those that are the lukewarm see their earthly wealth, which is why they are seen as the same as those that were in the cities that surrounded and included Sodom and Gomorrah. This is why they are vomited from the body of Christ, for their very presence pollutes those seeking the truth. One factor that must be totally understood is at the very moment the majority of those that profess to being a follower of Christ are in fact the lukewarm. They profess to loving Christ, however, they refuse to downsize. They refuse to live in the least and keep the most for Christ. They keep the most for themselves and use the least of it for Christ. They think that their 10% tithe they give to a business is all that is required to show their faith for God. 1 John 3.17 But whosoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 1 John 2.15-16 Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. James 3, 13-18 Who is wise and understands among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We are to do our best for and only for Christ. We are to bear our cross and leave the things of the world behind. Mark 10, 17-21 Now, as he was going on the road, one came running knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, 
What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Christ said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered, and he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. God bless. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world Jesus is the only name to remember. And I, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. And I.